Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. Yeah. No workshop. That's it. We're done. What do you think? Reese? That's pretty good. I don't, you know, you really nailed it. It's got a nice ring to it, even though tonight I think I'm the hot toddy hottie because I've got either oh, allergies no. or just like a wicked head cold, so... We're taking this taking this old school. Uh, if if I sneeze oh, on camera, man. I apologize. Is it what what's going on in Kansas City? Is it like is it snowing again? Is it hot, cold, going back and forth, or is is it blooming and it's allergy season? It's, it's all of the above. So it's every other day is like today is like forty seven and overcast, but tomorrow will be seventy four and sunny. So all the while, like all of the trees are blooming and all the plants are blooming and it's been windy, so it's kicking crap up and we haven't had any rain to like wash stuff away. So it's as they call it a Midwest first world problem. But I did stick a, a Q tip up my nose and I did not have COVID. So then I took a COVID test and it turns out I do not have COVID. So everything is good. Everything is good. I'm happy. Congratulations. Wait, you've you've had COVID before, though, yes, right? Yes, I, I had a first edition COVID back in 2021. This was, I got it, I think, literally about a month and a half before, like, the common folk were eligible for the vaccine. And then you also think you had it in 2019 as well, well right? Well, that would be interesting because when I was super sick in, like, February of 2020 so this was like a month before covid hit i was worse off with whatever that was than when i had covid because when i had covid proper Mm. the only thing i had was like the loss of sense of taste and smell like otherwise legit i wouldn't have known i was sick but in 2020 when i had that like flu or whatever i just could not get my temperature below like 101 without having like a constant stream of tylenol advil in me I was just like achy and felt fluish for like no lie, 10 or 11 straight days. It was never like COVID y in the sense of I didn't lose sense of taste and smell. I didn't have, you know, like I had a really wet cough, which at the time was not COVID. COVID was a dry cough back then. Plus, I don't know. It's like it was bad, but it felt like I just had the flu and couldn't get better. I wouldn't necessarily say it felt, you know, I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was breathing through a straw and I might pass away and all that stuff. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. When I, when I get to heaven one day and I ask the big guy some questions, that's going to be what I'm going to ask. I'll be like, hey, so, you know, what was I sick with in 2020? <laughs> Out of, just between you and me, what was I sick with in 2020? It's not like, why did why did Zach Granke leave the first time? Like, you're not going to ask the big Kansas City questions. Yeah. What's what's really in Casey Joe's barbecue? Well, okay, so the, the <laughs> Did I have COVID or did I not? God, what what happened? This is going to put me on a watch list, I know. But the questions I would ask oh, is, no. did we fake the first moon landing? Because I would, oh, I would buy that. I would buy that. Literally, oh God. The second question would be, who actually did shoot JFK? You know, did Lee Harvey Oswald just get lucky twice? Which is statistically possible or like was there somebody else in the grassy knoll oh, no you're 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 a, you're a magic bullet guy i am a uh yes i am an irving magic bullet kind of guy well, i mean i i think it's just so plausible like i said these are all things i'm not like subscribing to and like going to the deep would be like hey man these are the things they don't want us to know but it's plausible enough that if someone told me this is what actually happened i'd be like yeah i believe you 
And then God's going to be like, all right, Reese, well, I'm going to put you over here with all the other QAnon Christians. <laughs> and then we'll, 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 we'll get to you guys later. Something like that, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it is down here in the twin cities of Kansas City. How's it up in the tri-cities of Binghamton? Excellent. Nice. Look at that. Um, it's really cold. Really? Like out of nowhere. So like two days ago, we had the day off. It was beautiful. There's a brewery just across the street that actually has pretty decent beer. It's called Beer Tree. Um, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the pod or not. If I did, I'll talk about it again. The The beer was great. Had an IPA, had a Kolsch, all pretty, pretty awesome beers. And we had a day off yesterday, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna walk over to the brewery. I don't have a car, but the hotel was right next to this brewery. It's like it's a luxury, so I'm like, great. I'm gonna walk over, have another beer, have a pilsner. They have a beautiful patio, very COVID safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I open the door. It's a freaking blizzard outside. Ugh. Like we went from 60 degree weather. I'm having a beautiful time with the cast, dude. Then I like can't even open my freaking door because it's so cold. Uh, today it, it hasn't snowed as much, but it was like 13 degrees. The wind chill was pretty bad, so it must. I, I I didn't look on my iPhone, but it had to have been wind chill like eight nine degrees. Wow, that's insane. And everyone that lives here was like, "It's it's upstate New York. Welcome to upstate New York." And I was like, "Cool, dude. I'll just stay in my hotel room and watch." The Grammys or whatever was on last night. <laughs> Friday night or Sunday night SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, speaking about that, Reese, what is your instant reaction to... Um, wait, what was last night? The, the Emmys? Oscars. No. Oscars, thank you. <laughs> Three, no, just keep it in there because we're live. We're videoed. Uh, <laughs> Reese, what is your instant reaction to Will Smith smacking Chris Rock on live television? And for real, not even a stunt. That was... Legitimate. Well, I did hear that Team Chris Rock, Team Will you Smith. Know, I, I think I'm Team Chris Rock on that. Uh, you know, Will Smith's act of violence actually did incite the FCC to come down, and the Academy Awards will now be known as the Oscars de la Hoya. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> but you bought it for a second, so... I mean, Reese, like, uh, everyone listening to the podcast, you know this is what our podcast is like. No no one's surprised. <laughs> and no, I did not I did not buy it. I, just, I knew you were going to say something stupid. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I mean, it made for great television. I think that's probably the yeah. most Janet Jackson Super Bowl moment since the Janet Jackson Super Bowl moment. Uh, totally. I've seen the U.S. stream, you know, where they... Because, you know... TV's on what is it like a 10 second delay so you have a 10 second dump button so I mean I saw when they Mm -hmm. hit the dump button and it like froze up but you know I think our our fantasy group sent that clip from like the Japanese broadcast where they didn't have that yeah Japanese and the Australian one yeah yeah so I mean I feel bad for Will Smith in the sense of like obviously it's not a very happy dude and you know piling on him in those regards it's like obviously you don't just like unprovoked hop on stage and slap someone like that but I don't know. What's your take on the whole situation? Yeah, definitely. I think the craziest moment, I think it's the craziest brawl, like celebrity brawl ever. Like I'm sure there's been brawls like at fight clubs and or fight clubs, sorry, at like nightclubs and like at parties where people have gotten to an altercation. But this may be the first like celebrity on celebrity 
um, like live altercation, you know, where like someone is actually punching someone on live TV. And then those of you that have seen the unedited version, now he says, keep my wife's name out of your bleep yeah. mouth. Um, and like, and he is yelling it like that is some se- like to see someone like Will Smith. Right, Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like the most likable dude ever. Like, of course, there's fun memes about Will Smith. Like, Will Smith as a person is not, I don't know, Joe Rogan or like Dave Chappelle. You know, like people love Will Smith. So for like him to go from that guy to then people knew he was going to win this Oscar and it was so momentous for him to win, but for him to like definitely ruin that moment for himself. Also, it was the first. Um, it was it was the first Oscars um, by um, by a person of color as well that was producing it. Uh, it was an African American man that w- was producing the Oscars, like like a very big night for for uh, for the black community, right? And for Will Smith, it's his first ever Oscar, and no one's gonna even like take that all in anymore. No one's gonna know that this was Will Smith's first Oscar. Um, you know, all the things that happened. And then especially that award was supposed to be for Questlove, uh, which I just saw Summer of Soul. Really awesome documentary. Have you seen Summer of Soul yet? Uh, I saw it pop up on Hulu, but I haven't seen it yet, no. Dude, you have to watch it. Um, it is kind of like biographical where they talk about the civil rights movement and stuff, um, which is awesome. But at the same time, they have like unknown footage of like Stevie Wonder at 19 singing and then going on the drums and absolutely shredding on the drums. It was like, I was like, what the heck? Like he's just like destroying Gladys Knight. So many like great performances that no one's ever seen before because the, the footage was sealed away in a basement and then Questlove found it, made a documentary anyway, really cool. But no, no one is going to remember his like Questlove speech. That was right after the brawl. And then Will Smith wins the award and has to do the speech again. I mean, it was just like, like definitely, maybe not the craziest moment. You're right. I think Janet Jackson nip slip is probably crazier. It's up there. Uh, but but I mean, yeah, this has to be top three. Okay. Got to be a top three craziest moment on live television. Okay, live moment brawl. What was bigger, this or who was that guy that Jim Rome got beat up by on his show? Remember <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I don't think that was even live TV. I think they just aired it. Oh, really? Oh, because I was gonna say, I'm like, oh, okay, but that was that was good though. You're right. That was that because he like definitely tackled him, punched him, and like they they had to separate them. Where like Will Smith just like quick slap walks away, yeah. and for like Chris Rock to just like get hit and come back, like all right, whatever. Dude, he no sold that. He was a that's a strong jaw yeah. on Chris Rock. That's a, that was. Strong jaw, yeah. strong jaw. So shout out Chris, Chris Rock. Shout out. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like to kind of put a button on this. Like if someone were to offend my wife, and if she had a, like a physical condition that they were making fun of. Um, also, apparently, Jada Pinkett Smith has um, has already like publicly said things about Will Smith being soft and not like defending her. Yeah. So with all that taken, not that I'm pro Will Smith, but like, I see why he did that, right? If if you make fun of someone's wife and they have a condition and who knows what's happening behind the scenes and the struggles they have, like, oh yeah, yeah, someone can snap pretty quickly. Um, not that I would, I, I don't know if I was in that situation, I would have done that. But uh, 
I kind of, you know, I kind of see it. I'm not going to say he should have done it, but like, yeah, I mean, there's really no perfect answer for it. So I don't think I'm on either team, but it was pretty wild. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Moment of living in me. You know, we'll tell our kids about it. It's great. Speaking about wild, Reese, it's time to get into the podcast. Actually, before we get into the podcast, why don't why don't we do some housekeeping stuff, Reese? Um, so let's talk about social media. As you all see, we are live videoing right now, which is new in season three. We're going to try to get more people reaching out to this podcast. Even though there's, there's a ton of Chiefs podcasts out there, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? We talk Chiefs. We're going to talk Royals soon. We talk soccer. And we also talk craft beer and we are the only podcast in kansas city that talks kansas city sports and craft beer so reese how can people reach our podcast on social media and if they love what we're doing right now talking about team will smith team chris rock how can they donate uh you can find us on instagram at fountain city sm you can find us on facebook at fountain city sm you can find us on tiktok at fountain city sports media and you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, as well as, soon to come, the in-depth dive into the Fast and Furious series. So that is going to be... <laughs> did you... Say what? Oh, sorry. I, I'm just going to interject, because uh, I don't actually know. Did you actually do your first episode already? I'll never tell. Aha! Uh-huh. Even ladies and gentlemen, even I don't know whether he's already done the first re- rewatchable. So, not only you will stay tuned when you donate two dollars a month to Patreon, but I will also stay tuned to see what Reese has in store for that content. Yep, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. We're just gonna take that a quarter mile at a time. Excellent. All right, so stay tuned for that. Now let's get into the podcast. If you thought. The Team Will and Team Chris Rock debate was was heavy and hot and controversial. We're about to get into it right now about what just happened in Kansas City. So, for those of you that don't remember, Tyreek Hill got traded to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's a thing. No more <laughs> Tyreek Hill. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, Reese, what was what was your first reaction? While you do that, I'll look up the actual trade with all the correct picks. Um. So, here's the funny thing. So... Going into the offseason, one thing everyone was saying, all the Chiefs fans are saying, is like, well, you know, we'll re-sign Tyreek Hill and... And it's like, why are you saying re-signing Tyreek Hill's a given on this? I'm like, a lot of stuff could go wrong between the last play against Cincinnati Bengals and the trade of the Miami Dolphins. And people were saying, well, you know, we'll probably we'll probably have to pay him like 22 to $24 million a year. And I said, eh, okay, so what happens if, you know, Devontae Adams gets paid $25 million or north of that and Tyreek Hill rightfully says, I want to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And everyone's like, oh, that's not going to happen. So you were already calling this before the Devontae you Adams know, trade. Like I said about the moon landing of the JFK assassination, you know, like going back in time, if someone would tell me Tyreek Hill's going to get traded, he's not going to get re-signed, I'd be like, yeah, I can see that happening. Like, I'm not going to be like shocked if that turns out to be the case. And what happened? The minute that we started getting texts in our group and from some of my other friends saying like, 
you know, the, the Schefter tweet about, you know, talks have stalled. I'm like, talks have been stalled this whole time. It's like, we haven't heard a lick of information about them getting anywhere. And that, to me, said Tyreek Hill is waiting to see what Devontae Adams gets paid so he can be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. So when Devontae Adams came out, he's making $28 million a year. I said, dude, that's it. I'm like, the only chance we have is if Tyreek takes, like, the biggest best friend discount for us, like, sticking in his corner all this time. I said, or he's gone. And the minute Schefter breaks that tweet, I said... This has got legs. He's gone. I don't know where, but he's gone. Yeah, this is like this is like when you break up with your first girlfriend and <laughs> and you you like you like just there there's clear signs that this relationship is going to end, mm-hmm. but you neglect it all and are like, hey, this is gonna work out. Everything's gonna be okay. That's what happened here. Because Tyree Kill three days before that tweeted thank you kansas city for for my time here i'm i'm kind of um i'm not that's not verbatim but basically that's what he said and no one like there was no news on it no one's reporting about it or anything so that's that's red flag number one from our ex-girlfriend uh red flag number two from our from our ex-girlfriends um was that he he changed agents to drew rosenhaus and drew rosenhaus has a reputation of uh, ruffling feathers. You know, Drew Rosenhaus will break any deal if he does not get what he wants. So Tyreek Hill doesn't just leave his agent to go to Drew Rosenhaus just to do a friendly deal, like you said. Um, so yeah, definitely having like ex-girlfriend syndrome of like neglecting all the. So then when you finally break up with them and then you go with your best friend to like Panera to talk about it, then they start to open your eyes with like, yeah, she stopped texting you. Yeah, you guys weren't even going on dates anymore. And like, oh, that's what I felt when everything started to go about. Like I woke up and I was like, no way, no way, no way. And then I went down the Twitter rabbit hole and people started screenshotting the Tyreek Hill tweet, started screenshotting that he was with Drew Rosenhaus. That's when we knew it was over. So here is what the uh, the official trade was. Uh, Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill for the uh, for five draft picks, the 2022 first round pick, which is number 29, just before us, the second round pick this year as well, number 50, and a fourth round pick, as well as a fourth and a sixth in the 2023 draft. So five total picks. Um, two of them being very important for Tyreek Hill. So, Reese, before we get into, like, what does this do for the team? I know you have your specific opinions. The trade on face value, is this a fair trade for you? I think so. Uh, I think we all would have loved to be like, man, we should get a top 15 pick for Tyreek and another first round pick and a second round pick. Guess what? You know, it's, it's not the way it always goes. Uh, do you know exactly off the top of your head? I don't know if it's pulled up. What did Devontae Adams get? I know it wasn't at... I was literally just texting. I was just looking it up. What, Go ahead and keep vamping for like two I'm more seconds. Say, whatever it was, you know, Tyreek Hill got paid more Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill pulled in a bigger return than Devontae Adams is all that I know off the top of my head. But all things considered, I'm pretty happy with this trade, especially considering that the Jets were going to give a package that didn't include a first-round pick, which to me... That was BS. Dude, that is so insulting. Like, I'm dead serious. This is like, you know, what did we deserve to get such this terrible, bland, flavorless trade? You know, I I saw that the Jets were offering something where it's like, well, here's a package of picks that one. They have like the chart. You know what I'm talking about? What's it called? 
Yeah, yeah. We're like t- picks have different draft values. So you know, again, it's just some sort of like advanced analytics BS. We're like, well, we can offer you, you know, a late second round, two thirds, and an eighth, and that's the same as having a first round pick. It's like, no, it's not. You nerds, get no. out of here. So I like the deal that Miami gave us because now we have two first round picks. And we can kind of decide what we want to do in the first round now. It's like, do we package up and move up? Do we take two first-round talents? Or do we move out and have like a whole bunch of picks or push it on down the road? So I like the package from Miami. Two firsts or like even the Jets' top 10 pick would have been really, really sweet. But I've been saying this whole time. We have a heck of a lot of holes in this team. A heck of a lot of holes that I did not think that having a big salary cap issue and what was it, seven draft picks, two in the seventh round was going to be able to rectify this year. So all things considered, I'm pretty happy with this trade. Before we get into if we are happy with this trade, because I know you are, maybe you're happy or you 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 see it as a glass half full than half empty in this situation. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? Cool. Which we will debate. But before we debate that, I will answer my own question and whether I think that this trade was fair. Um, By the way, uh, in comparison to the Devontae Adams trade, yeah, we got the better deal. Uh, Packers got a first round pick, the number 22 pick from the Raiders, as well as the second round pick, the number 53 pick. And that's it. So we definitely got way more than that. So it's a better trade for us. Um, But I... Reese, I am not a Kansas City analyst. I am a Kansas City fan. And sometimes us fans get more heated and less illogical than an analyst. So, Reese, this trade was not fair. I wanted two first-round picks. Maybe not both in 2022 because not a lot of teams can do that except for, like, the Giants. Um, But I wanted a 2022 and a 2023 first-round pick for the maybe – we, we don't have to argue whether he's the best receiver in the NFL, but we can argue that he is a unicorn. There is no replacement for Tyreek Hill. So if you're going to take a player that has no replacement to it, then I want a lot. I want a lot for Tyreek Hill. I want two first-round picks, or I want a first-round pick in like three seconds. Wow. Maybe. 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 Wow. But that's not even where I'm stopping, Reese. I wanted there to be some sort of conversation with the Cardinals, right, for for DeAndre Hopkins. Because we don't know what the situation is in Arizona, but it doesn't look good. There's been a lot of, like, silence since the whole Kyler Murray talks. But I'm hoping Brett Veach gave uh, whoever owns the Cardinals, gave them a call and said, Hey, what's going on over there? Because if we already know Tyreek Hill's leaving, right? Fine. We get to pick where he goes. Yes, I get it. Like, you know, he did us a service, but at the same time, he wants to be paid the highest. Fine. Go ahead and do that. But I need comparable value that I know I can't get. So I am hoping that Brett Feach called them. Um, I'm hoping he even kicked the tires on you know, someone, I don't even know who would be more comparable. Uh, A.J. Brown, I know A.J. Brown is a free agent. Just just someone that that is a stud at wide receiver. Like, I wanted a stud for a stud. I didn't want 
a first round and a second round pick. I wanted a stud or two first round picks for Tyree Kill. So I did not think it was fair. Well, I mean, it's, it's pointed a lot of times before, too. It's like this haul for Tyree Kill is probably one of the top five, maybe top three hauls in a trade of all time. And people were likening it to the Herschel Walker trade. I mean, you've heard about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, except for right, except for the Deshaun Watson trade that just happened. They didn't get anything. What was the Deshaun Watson trade? There's three firsts. Three firsts for Deshaun Watson. Let me check. Keep vamping. Three firsts for a guy I'm who might not even play. Three first. I know. Uh, literally, the 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 Browns may actually, if this doesn't work, this the 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 Deshaun Watson trade will be the worst trade in NFL history and sports history. Next to the James Harden, Ben Simmons. Well, I, I mean, so here's the thing. So I get it. You want to pay three first for a quarterback who, when healthy and playing, is you know a top ten quarterback in the league. Sure, yeah, I get it. Uh, but you know, you, you got the most you could get for a player who's not a quarterback and who's not named Herschel Walker. So uh, I I don't know how much more we could expect from the Tyree Kill trade. All things put together, I think it's a it's a good package of players that we can acquire now and fill a lot of holes that we have on this team. Uh, and I really like the flexibility that it gives us too. Uh, the the biggest thing now is that we just need to find a wide receiver one. I mean, I I, I like the pieces we have in the receiver room we've acquired. We can talk more about that later. But the biggest thing we still need is the guy. I mean, you look at Cincinnati or you look at. Any good team with multiple wide receivers, for that matter. But Cincinnati in particular, it's like they got Chase, they got Higgins, they got Boyd. But Jamar Chase is the guy. There's one play. Who has the skill? Who's the ball going to? Jamar Chase. You could even say the same thing with the Cowboys last year when they had Amari Cooper. They had CeeDee Lamb. They had, uh, who's the other guy? Gallup. You know, but who's the ball going to in crunch time? It's going to Amari Cooper. I mean, not anymore, but it would have gone to Amari Cooper. That's the biggest thing we need now in this wide receiver room is like the wide receiver that keeps everybody honest. So then it lets our other guys get open under their shadow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll talk a little more about that soon. I don't want to get too into that yet. So I want you. So you told us and you can reiterate your claim. You don't have to make any new claims, but I, I want you to tell Kansas city why you think um, the, the glass is half full on this trade. I mean, why I like it or why I'm upset about it? No, why you like it. Because you like this trade more than you hate this trade. Yeah, Am I, I mean, right to say that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like the trade because here's the thing. I know baseball and football are apples and oranges, but there's, this is still an apt comparison. I see people being like, oh, man, this is I'm seeing things like the Royals when they blew up the team back you know, after the 2015 World Series. The Royals did the exact opposite. We traded Tyreek Hill with a year still on his contract to another team, and we got play- pieces to replace Tyreek Hill, and we got value for Tyreek Hill. Now, I think that's part of the reason why he got more in than Devontae Adams is because Devontae Adams was a free agent. They had to sign him. Or, you know, that he, he didn't have years on his contract the way that Tyreek Hill does. Tyreek Hill having a year and then having to negotiate a contract is huge. Now, what the Kansas City Royals did that really screwed the franchise and we're still trying to recover to this day is that when they had their core of players, none of which were the Tyreek Hill of baseball, but Hosmer, Kane, Moose, all those guys, instead of trading them when they had a year left on their contract, bringing in some high like quality prospects and rebuilding the farm, they said, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I think if we like 
have everything fall our way, we can go for like one last playoff ride, even just to make the playoffs in 2017. What happened? They didn't make the playoffs in 2017. They didn't get anything for those players in return. And the Royals are still reeling. Now, if Kansas City didn't pay Tyreek Hill or didn't trade Tyreek Hill, they would have to pay Tyreek Hill after next year. He would still demand to be the top paid wide receiver in the National Football League, which at that point could be even higher than this $30 million a year he's going to be getting. And what happens then? We let a dude walk or we keep a guy on our team who would be the equivalent of paying a top 10 quarterback contract wise. We don't have the money to pay two top 10 quarterbacks in the league. No franchise does. Very good arguments and very good uh, analysis and comparison to the Royals. Um, But my argument is this, Reese. We said this about Patrick Mahomes uh, when he signed his big deal, right? And then we thought that, you know, Travis Kelsey wasn't going to be able to be re-signed. Didn't Tyreek also restructure his contract after? Didn't he get a new contract after uh, Pat got his? Uh, It it was one of those... Again, I don't know. I mean, I know Travis did. I think it was one of those like kind of like three-year extension kind of things that really just like pushed yeah. money back. I don't know the yeah. details. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I, I'm sure I could be wrong on this argument, but I'm going to run it anyway. Um, the fact that Brett Veach was able to restructure so many different contracts to then get people like a Frank Clark, get re-signed uh, Travis Kelsey for a ton of money. On paper, it does not look like it's going to make sense. But every year, things are restructured. Um, who just got restructured? Joe Joe Tooney got restructured. Pat, Pat could have been restructured again this year, and he has not been restructured. Uh, and that was an argument pro Tyreek Hill that we could be able to afford him. Maybe you're right, not the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, um, which then, if it came down to that, then, of course, there is no argument for it. He was going to leave anyway. Uh, but there was a way to keep him for another year. I think my biggest – my what I'm trying to get to is my biggest argument for that this is bad for us is that we are hurt in the short term. I get in the long term we're going to be great. I just don't think a first-round pick this year and even a second-round pick this year is going to be the equivalent of what Tyreek Hill did for us on any side of the field. Say we get um, that that – edge from Michigan that um, tore his ACL and now he's dropping down. Uh, David Ajabo, I think is his name. Like, say we get someone like that who's super dynamic. That still doesn't help us in the short term, you know, or even someone like a Drake London who might fall to us with injuries as well. Someone like that doesn't help in the short term and like Pat is Pat is in his prime now. And of course he's going to be in his prime forever, but having him Travis Kelsey um, and having Tyreek Hill there like our window is big, but to win now is very important because winning is hard no matter what. We've already seen that. Pat's already only won one Super Bowl, not to knock him, but like we should be winning every year, right? But it's it's really hard to win in the NFL. So to keep Tyreek Hill for one more year means one more Super Bowl for Patrick Patrick Mahomes means another Super Bowl for Kansas City, and I think that's really important. I, I think it's it's important not to neglect the short term, especially with this team, because this team is so special. Like when we talk about, obviously, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Well, so here's my argument with that. This is going to be really hard for me to say. I, I've been popping a lot of uh, Sudafed pills today, but I'm also going to be popping a oh, lot no. of tough-to-swallow pills. And the tough-to-swallow pill was the Kansas City Chiefs had too many flaws and holes in their team that even with Tyree Kill... 
they were not going to be a serious Super Bowl contender this year. Not with how deep the AFC West is, not how deep the AFC is. You saw it last year. So last year, it took an eight out of nine game stretch, and it took a lot of good fortune, not luck, but good fortune for us to be the number two seed in what was a depleted AFC, and we still couldn't get the job done and get over the hill. That's not going to be any easier next, sorry, this year, but at the same time, the teams are only getting better. So if it wasn't good enough last year, and the holes were glaring enough last year, plus, we, we just exchanged the too high shell once we figured that out for this like drop eight that Cincinnati was doing. Every team in the NFL was going to do that had we kept Tyreek Hill. Now, because we're going to have to spread the wealth out to more targets and we don't have a safety valve who can blow the top off of everybody in every given play, I think this might be good for us in the short term even. We don't, we do not have like the limit break from Final Fantasy where we can just like hit the dump button and have like a giant explosion happen, which is what Tyreek Hill was, but maybe we won't need that. Maybe the Bills game this year doesn't come down to like the 13 seconds of Gloria needing Tyreek Hill to pull a miracle out of his butt if the offense is flowing better throughout the majority of the game and we're putting more points on the board with a more balanced attack. And I think it's worth noting too, if you look up the statistics of Patrick Mahomes in games without Tyreek Hill, he's still averaging well over 300 yards and two touchdowns per game. Patrick Mahomes' wheels have not fallen off without Tyreek Hill playing. Now, having a good receiving core around him is going to be huge, too. If McCall Hardman is the only person representing this year, that's going to be entirely different. But we've seen what Patrick Mahomes did with Albert Wilson. He made Albert Wilson in his first start with a bunch of second-string scrubs just a year or two off of that Denver Broncos great defense. Made him look like a million bucks. And speaking of which, Tyreek gets to reunite with him in Miami now, so everybody wins. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> That, that was very much uh, glass half full. <laughs> I don't – okay, let's let's touch your argument saying that the offense may be better in the short term. Um, I, I just feel like even with Tyreek Hill there, we had Juju Smith-Schuster on the books as well as Tyreek Hill. I think it would have been pretty easy to get Ronald Jones as well on the books with Tyreek Hill and with Juju Smith-Schuster there. Um, you can still – have this non-RPO offense, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs are going to look like now. I think we've heard reports that you know there is going to be a lot more scripted runs. It's not going to be this RPO where Pat's going to say, I'm throwing the ball. RPO, forget it. It's PO offense. Yeah. There is no R in this offense. I think they're going to force Patrick Mahomes to now run the ball and say, hey, buddy, like you're amazing, but you can't do it on your own. But I feel like we still could have done that with Tyreek Hill. Uh, yes, you're right. Like This is going to force... EB, it's going to force Andy to be incredibly creative on on offense um, and to get out of that RPO system and more into a spread out system, pro system, where you have someone like MVS out there, which we'll talk about a little later um, about their strengths. I just feel like we could have we could have still changed everything with Tyreek Hill being the bailout. Right. And and I actually am concerned um, and we can end with this and then go into the beer review. I'm concerned about what this does for Travis Kelsey because what happened before Reese is that um, either Tyree kill was double covered or Travis Kelsey was double covered. It was hard to double cover both of them. Um, but now I think say you're Bill Belichick, what's Bill going to do against the Chiefs? I don't even know if we play the Patriots, but just a hypothetical. What, what, what does Bill do to an, to an offense? He exposes your, you know, he takes your, your strength and, 
you know, diminishes it and then takes your weakness and exposes it. And someone like Bill's going to say, fine, I'm just going to double cover um, Travis Kelsey. I don't have to worry about the deep threat. I'm going to make MVS beat us. I'm going to make Juju Smith-Schuster beat the Patriots. And that type of defense scares me, right? I mean, especially right now with the Raiders, the Chargers, um, the Broncos are fine in secondary, right? They have a pretty good secondary. But if you take away Travis Kelsey, and now that is the game plan for a defense, and now it's, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster, you're the number one target, beat us. I don't like that. I don't really like that. But what did you see in the past, particularly in 2019, when the Patriots gave us fits for the first half of both those games, where they took away Tyreek Hill? And the way that teams were beating us was taking away Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think it's sort of addition by subtraction in this sense is that, like I said, if we can just get enough decent enough wide receivers to spread the wealth with, where is the strength you take away at that point? You know, it's again, we're not going to be like Bengals level, like running four Super Saiyans on offense. But, you know, with the Bengals, it's the same thing, too. It's like, which one do you take away? Probably Chase. But then Boyd, Higgins and all those guys and Mix are going to cut you up. What do you take away on the Chiefs now? Travis Kelsey's getting a little older and he's not just like unbeatable Superman anymore. Oh, maybe he is. But you got you got Valdez Scantling, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, you got Ronald Jones. You got a bunch of like B plus level dudes out there now. So if they're all capable of playing and doing well, it's kind of like pick your poison in these regards. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely being a pessimist. Like I look, Kansas City fans, I know we're going to be fine. Uh, But but something like this, like when you get into the playoffs and someone like Bill Belichick or someone like Mike Tomlin, not they're they're not going to make the playoffs. Don't don't sleep on Mitch. I don't know. <laughs> but like I don't know someone so, you know a really crafty head coach is what I'm saying and they have a week to prepare for us for the playoffs like I don't like that in the playoffs if they double cover Travis Kelsey that means Juju Smith-Schuster has to win us a playoff game that means MBS has to win us a playoff game uh, that means Ronald Jones has to get into the end zone I would rather it be the 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 other way which of course we were incredibly spoiled to have two of the best in their positions to ever play the game but now it's like oh great now we only have the best tight end to ever play the game crap what are we going to do so i know we're going to be fine um it's just going to be a big culture shock for fans i'm sure patrick mahomes is already going through the reads but like for me as a fan like ugh, ugh. it's it's going to be hard we're gonna have to get used to it as great as patrick mahomes is He's going to look sloppy this year at times. He's probably going to, I hate to say this word, regress just because, you know, he's learning to play with a completely different offense than he's played with since he's been a starter. So we'll see him struggle. But I think we'll also see what he's really made of, which is we've seen at other times. You give him competent NFL wide receivers that have a decent chemistry with him. Patrick can make a whole lot of lemonade out of a whole bottle of lemons. Fair. Um, to end this segment, Reese, say your farewells to Tyree Kill. I will say my farewells, and then we'll have a beer. Tyree Kill, I'm definitely going to miss you. You were one of my all-time favorite players to watch. Uh, I knew from the first time I saw you break away that you were the fastest player to ever play in the NFL. And one thing that people don't see enough is that they're like, oh, well, technically he was never like the highest top speed in the NFL in any of his starting seasons. It's like Alex. Well, Alex. I'm, I'm not calling out Alex. I'm saying like other people. <laughs> I'm calling out Alex. 
<laughs> all right, we'll, we'll get Alex on the podcast. We're talking about all those all those guys that have come through, like uh, like Rugs and who was that guy that was on a uh, Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller. Who was the guy in the Bengals that was there for a while? It was like uh, something Shadow Chosinko. No, it was like something Henry the Third or something like that. I can't. I'll remember his name later. But those guys all, all right. came, and everyone tried to find their Tyree Kill. The reason they couldn't find their Tyree Kill was the fact that there has never been somebody who runs in pads like they're not wearing pads. Tyreek's foot speed yep. and lateral quickness and ability to turn the corner on people has been unparalleled. Even guys in the past like Devin Hester and Dante Hall who are hard to bring down because they're so shifty, you'd watch them. It was kind of like move, loading, next move. Okay, loading, next move. And they were just really slippery. They were hard to bring down. But Tyreek Hill was playing out there in nothing but his Under Armour when everybody else looks like they were playing in the Wade clothing from Dragon Ball Z. Tyreek Hill is the fastest human being we've ever seen play football. He may be the fastest human being we'll ever see play football. And I want to thank him for some fantastic years of entertainment spanning the Alex Hill era, or Alex Smith era, and the Patrick Mahomes era. Well said, Reese. Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll just bring up two moments. You know, the sports sports are great because there's moments that happen that make you feel like like um, crazy. Like it's an out of body experience. The way that you react to something is I've never reacted a certain way in like regular life than I do specific sports moments. Right? That I I literally am like euphoric and say the craziest things. I'm running. I'm jumping. And the funny thing is both times that I've had these euphoric moments were not Patrick Mahomes crazy things. They were both Tyree kill, like what the hell just happened moments and my body just going through craziness. So the wasp moment, of course, in the Super Bowl, like I I remember watching that and like I was at my in-laws place and I was running laps and I don't like like I'm crazy but I was like I don't know what I was saying I don't know what I was screaming but I was screaming I was jumping I was running I never had a reaction like that second time the Bills game right the Bills going into overtime or or in overtime sorry um to get the 13 seconds um that was another euphoric moment that actually my wife captured on camera. And like things like that, I don't know if I'm ever going to get again. Like, yes, I'll probably see another Super Bowl knock on wood. Um, but just slight moments where you see a human do something so extraordinary that your brain can't comprehend. And then you have a moment of euphoria. I don't know if I'm ever going to see that again. So thank you, Tyree Kill, for those moments, those like insane moments that my soul was just like what the heck just happened because those are super special that i'll never forget um and then all the things that reset obviously his skill his talent a unicorn one of one miami if you're listening you are getting a treat and just kind of a sneak preview it doesn't matter that tua sucks like if he plays this debo samuel role it's going to be it may be one of the greatest things to ever happen to tyreek hill if tyreek hill is debo samuel 2.0 like if if tua just has to go here you go. And then uh, McDaniel just has like the most incredible blocks for him. Like Tyreek may have the best season of his career. Well, uh, don't forget that we drafted Tyreek Hill as a running back. He was a converted running back out of college. So it's not like he's going right. He's not going to have to learn how to play out from the backfield. I, I just hope his durability at this age doesn't cost him. But, I mean, yeah. like you said, if he wants to play him like I have Debo Samuel, you got Debo Samuel and then some. 
Holy crap. Yeah. So anyway, Dolphins fans, you're in for a treat. Um, Kansas City fans, you're also in for a treat. We're going to crack open a beer. and We're going to talk some more Kansas City Chiefs afterwards. So stay tuned. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. That's right. It's This Week in Craft Beer, the segment of the podcast where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer, as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. Now, this week, we're pulling back from the archives, Armando. You remember how Stone and Keystone were in a uh, court battle over the use of the word stone? Oh, no. Keystone's going to jail now. Well, so it's been a very interesting case. So there was, uh, I don't want to say a surprise witness of any sorts, but it surprised me, mainly because like I was a kid when all this stuff happened, so I didn't know the specifics on this. But one, no pun intended, cornerstone argument that Keystone brought into the conversation was that the Keystone family of brands had been using the terminology of stone since the 90s. They had promotions such as the Sticks and Stones promotion, which paired Keystone Light with pretzel sticks. And they were also known for using the term 30 stones back in the 90s to refer to a case of Keystone. Now, again, I never knew any of this stuff because I was still at that point, what, 16 years away from being able to drink. So that's all very new to me. My favorite one was uh, Time to Party with the Stone. I've never heard that, but that's not as cool as the current stuff they're doing now. I'm not going to lie. That's very like knockoff Suds McKenzie to me. Not cool. <laughs> this is this is all very fascinating to me. Reece. So anyway, that was the big twist in the argument. And I'm like, you know what? To be honest, I'm like, how does Stone prove that another brewery using a word on a completely different can is going to wind up winning them this court case? In an even bigger surprise turn of events, ladies and gentlemen, Stone wound up winning that court case against Keystone. Go. You're kidding. I, I kid you not. In what seemed like an unlikely victory, David topples Goliath. No relation. No relation. Yeah. So what happens now? Keystone can't say stone on their camera? Uh, I believe they currently have a cease and desist on being able to do that, but I do believe I read that Keystone plans on appealing the decision, which, you know, they might have some argument to do because, again, I don't know the specifics of this court case, but I don't know how you can prove that someone doing that costs you $470 million over four years or something like that. Yeah. So it'll be difficult, but... I mean, Stone is very, very happy about this, and I can't blame him. And you know, I think it's a—it's probably a small victory for the. Well, I can't say that smaller brewers, but in comparison, yeah, that you know, small victory for the small breweries out there. And like, if Keystone just put Key on their beer, I think that's cool too. You know, also, why can't they just put Keystone on the can, like? Like what's the what's the deal? Like no one no one buys Keystone because it's a stone on the can. They buy because it it's cheap and they're trying to get drunk. Well, I mean, unless they are hoping that craft enthusiasts see Stone and they think it's some sort of new cool branding and they you know drink that milkshake. Now when they take a sip, I mean, until they take a sip, absolutely. But yeah, give me give me PBR in Montucky all day over Keystone. Sorry, buddy. I mean, 
why didn't they just stick with the Keith Stone Brewing? Remember that the the Keith Stone commercials? Oh yeah, like yeah, the yeah. looking dude had like the beef jerky yeah. stick. Yeah, you want to talk about like some some advertising? I think still had legs. I mean, if they would have kept with that branding and would have like put a photo of him on there, then you could be like, yeah, it's Stone named after Keith Stone. You know? I mean, out of out of all the hills to die on, why would you die on that hill? Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're they're loaded, so they they can. They can do lawsuits for fun. Yeah, dropping the bucket. So it is expected they're going to take this to appellate court. So I'll have to uh, we'll have to consult local uh, <laughs> local lawyer Sam Kuyper Jr. on this. Sam Sam Kuyper Jr. <laughs> as, as a graduate of University of Nebraska, he should be well versed in all Keystone law, as any Big Ten school lawyer <laughs> is. So Sam, we'll have you on the podcast, and you'll have to talk through this. So. Yeah, actually, it would be nice to have Sam on to talk draft stuff, which we'll talk about soon. Oh yeah, he he graded he graded my draft B minus because he didn't like that I took a running back in the second. Round. Uh, you got fleeced by Brees. I just kind of did it for giggles because, like, you know, if if Ronald Jones isn't pan out or Ch isn't pan out, then we boom, we're ready. I agree that if we draft him and he winds up being like a total just cream hunt two point for us, we'll, we can call him the Brees incarnate, and I will give up my nickname. Wow, that's really great because I'm sure I'm sure Brees Hall was waiting for that nickname. Like, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Andy, I don't want it. I don't want an extension. I want Reese from Found City Sports Media to take that nickname out of here. All right. The only deal is uh, you have to come on the podcast so we can do a uh, full ceremony for it and coronate you. Perfect. Anyway, so that is what's going on this week in craft beer. A victory for the small breweries of us out there. So Armando, speaking of small breweries, <laughs> what delicious craft beer do you have to review for us today? <laughs> yeah, there's a small brewery called Bells in Michigan. Oh, yeah? uh, really, up, really up and coming. But cool. man, their beer slaps, bro. Oh yeah? What kind of beer are you drinking tonight, bro? Today I'm going to be drinking, uh, I don't know, I've never heard of it, uh, Two-Hearted Ale, oh, baby. American IPA. Oh, baby. Yeah, no, so this is, um, ladies and gentlemen, I originally wasn't going to review it because it's not like craft craft, um, but honestly, this beer, uh, the reason why I got it was I was at a, I was at a grocery store and... <laughs> Uh, I just didn't want to spend a lot of money at this grocery store. This grocery store had so many different craft beers. It's called Wegmans. Have you oh, ever heard of Wegmans yeah, dude, before? Dude, Wegmans is like the high V of high V. It's so expensive. Dude, dude, Wegmans, they had a whole like block of craft beer. And I'm not even talking like this type of stuff. I'm talking like these random breweries I've never heard of before that had amazing can art. Uh, but everything's expensive in New York, and like the craft beer there, it was like it's like twenty two bucks for a four pack. Whoa. And I was like, Nah, I'm not in the mood to spend that much money right now. So mm-hmm. I got Old Faithful, ladies and gentlemen. Two Hard Ale, like this is my go-to. If you're ever at the liquor store or something and you don't know what to try or you you don't want to try like a new craft beer, like this is an amazing IPA, just a solid IPA. So I'm happy to review it today. I don't have a glass though, Reese, because I'm in a hotel and I don't want to buy glass. You, there's so a plastic just... cup next to your ice bucket. I know there is. Nope. What? Even a st- oh well. I mean, I did. I've been in this hotel for three weeks. Oh, it's all okay. gone, that's, man. That's fair. What, what about the styrofoam cup for your? I got. I got this. Nah, you can't see color in that. It doesn't matter. Wait, do you, do you have a styrofoam cup for your coffee oh. maker? 
No. Okay, pour it into the coffee maker and drink it. Then <laughs> it could be a coffee IPA. Actually, yeah, screw it. Yeah, why not? One no, second. please don't do that. Please well, don't do that. Well, no, I, I actually brought my own pour over so I can like put in the pour over. You know what? Why not? It'll look great. This is live television, ladies and gentlemen. And Chris Rock said last night was the greatest night. Until- oh my gosh, look at that itty bitty Chemex. That's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, because we're we're to you live, I just I just can't, you know, I can't BS this part of it. This is this is for you. So you know what? We're we're drinking it out of out of this baby that today. I would do it for you. Anyway. I cleaned it and everything. All right. I believe I mean that's a that's basically a tulip shape, right? That's how the best beer is drank. Yeah, this IPA smells like this IPA smells like coffee and it tastes like you coffee. You ever had a coffee IPA? No. That's really stout, but not coffee IPA. Sleeper style, baby. Mm. You know, that actually makes <sighs> sense because it they're both bitter. So yeah. why wouldn't And it's you? a different kind of bitter. You have like herbal bitter versus kind of like rich umami smoky bitter in the coffee. So anyway, mm. I digress. So here on Fantasy Sports Media, we review our beers with five different categories. We have aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. And after each category, we give it a rating from 1 to 10, 1 being repug, 10 being fantastic, and we just cycle through the beer that way, and that's how we end. So Armando, first is last, sniffing that out of your coffee maker. What is the aroma on that two-hearted IPA? <laughs> or sorry, two-hearted pale ale, excuse me. Mm. Oh, obviously I do smell a little bit of coffee, so... Um, you know what's funny is that like this IPA is a West Coast IPA, but the the pininess of this beer um, has a lot of fruit flavor or a lot of fruitiness to it, which I really enjoy. That's probably why I like this beer so much. You get some tangerine, you get a little bit of grapefruit as well on this beer, but it's not. A hazy, obviously. We've all had this beer. Um, but it's really cool. Actually, I looked it up. Um, it's 100% Centennial hops, actually. Really? Um, so there is no, like, mesh in there. It's just a straight-up Centennial West Coast IPA, which is, like, from the 90s. Oh, that They would do 100% Centennial, but it works. Like, you get a lot of great fruit flavors from the piney. So, yeah, I get that grapefruit aroma, and I get the piney aroma, little dank pretty nice uh out of 10 you know for the style it's really good 9.7 wow. you gotta give it respect gotta you have to give it respect oh baby 9.7 right out the gate i mean this is a classic this is you know up there with like tank seven and some of those other just like you know sierra nevada pale ale oh yeah it's, yeah classic goliath classic macro flagships so then category number two is appearance what does that look like in your beautiful pour over so from your point of view, it definitely looks a little. Actually, huh, I got the light right on it. Looks a little lighter on your end, um, but it's a really nice dark golden color, as you see. Pretty good head retention, um, and you can even see some of the the legs still there from the foam, which is really nice as well. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, very translucent. You can still kind of see my eye from it yeah you can still kind of see but still a little hazy um so very nice texture 
and very not super translucent, but I mean translucent enough. We're not talking hazy here. Uh, really nice for the style. Nine, just a straight nine. All right, two nines in a row for Bell's Two Hearted. So then, category number three, the best part of Bell's Two Hearted is the flavor. What is the profile like on that Centennial Hopped IPA? What makes Centennial Hop taste the way it does? You know what? I'm curious. Um, you know how people smell coffee grounds to then like cleanse your nose? Yeah. I wonder if putting it in here, I get a, actually more flavor, like more smell. Could be just like a self-cleanser. Because it does smell like pretty solid. Like if I were to try it from here... To hear completely different smells. Interesting. Well. Yeah, and not because it's coffee, but yeah. Anyway, just thought of that. Okay. Flavor. Super solid. Um, right off the bat. Very bitter. Very, very dank. You're getting that pininess. Uh, but also now I'm getting melon. Not necessarily grapefruit. Don't get any grapefruit, actually smell it more than I do taste it. Um, but a very subtle melon, very nice, sweet taste um, that is distinct from that bitterness, actually. It's just very, very smooth. Uh, one of the reasons why I like this as well, because you do have the two of the bitter, and then you have the floral, and they mix very well together. Um, but yeah, melon out of everything, maybe some orange, like tangerine kind of. Yeah. Uh, but prominent... Pr- predominantly melon how about an 8.7 on flavor all right 8.7 is great i got a big question for you how many cups is that pour over i don't know is it, i only put like a quarter of the beer in it so I, say, I'm like, I wonder if you could drink that entire thing full of two-hearted i'd be curious I, there's only one there's only one way to find oh out gosh i'd say it looks like it's probably like a three cup three cup pour over Maybe maybe not even that much. Maybe it's like a two cup. I don't know. Science. So, yeah, I've had maybe that much. So I don't know. What is it? Like a 24 ounce yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Three cup, 24 ounce. That looks like it holds two beers. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, science. So King's Cup, baby. <laughs> category number four is mouthfeel. What does that beer feel like in your mouth? Being only a single hot beer... Does it have a very distinct mouthfeel? It's not getting all muddled up with a bunch of other things? What's it like? Yeah. Um, pretty, you know, heavier than I would than I would want on a single IPA. I think um, I'm starting to get a lot more malt as I think about it. And the malt gets pretty thick uh, on mouthfeel. And I think that's predominantly what I'm feeling in the mouth. Um, most IPAs I don't want to be like that. I don't want a lot of malt prominence, but you do get it with like traditional West Coast IPAs that just don't have a lot of other things that are going to mask the malt. Um, so yeah, little, little heavy on the mouth. How about a uh, 8.2? All right. 8.2. Not bad. Not bad. Anything over like a seven is good for mouthfeel. Oh, cate- yeah. I mean, still a solid beer. Category number five, aftertaste. It's going to be a little bit difficult because you got drinking beer out of where coffee is but do you have any distinct aftertaste coming from the beer when you exhale and let it sit for a little while between sips i 
You know, he's going back for a second sip just to verify. Yeah, actually, I would think that it would be more bitter on on the back end and aftertaste, but it's actually sweeter to me. Really? On the front end of it, like on the first couple tastes, I get a lot of the bitterness, but I don't really get it on the back end. Like, you know, when you have something really bitter, it's just like you can't get it off of the back of the tongue. Like, it's just coating the tongue. I don't really get it in this beer, and I kind of like that, right? I I don't want it to be um, super bitter, as we know most beers that I like. I love creamy. I love sugar, sugary beers, um, especially with my IPA. So this kind of meets like Armando's palate, Mm -hmm. and that's probably why I like this beer so much is that you do get the bite, of course, but it's predominantly, to me, more sweet on the back end. yeah, more tangerine, which is nice. Almost like orange rainy. Um, 9.1. That's nice. I like All that right. taste. 9.1 on aftertaste. Then that leads us right up into our sixth not-so-secret category, <laughs> the Stonks Drinkability Quotient. Armando, this is a freestyle category where you get to talk about how this beer makes you feel, what gives it an X factor. What is the Stonks Drinkability Quotient on this beer? Yeah, look, I mean, this beer is maybe not one of the first IPAs that I had. This is actually like in my IPA journey. So like when I was just starting to have IPAs, it was Sierra Nevada for most of it. Um, Maybe had some Odell's. Mm -hmm. And then like right before craft beer, like right before I hit Weldworks and um, um, Cerebral and like all these really great craft beer places in Denver, this is like the the like gateway into craft beer for me. Nice. Like this was when I was like, you know, this isn't Sierra Nevada. This isn't like, you know, things hazy little thing. Like this is a really good beer that, you know, your average person, excuse me, is not going to go to Walmart to go grab like they probably know about beer if they're going to grab this beer and it's just a really good value. It's probably one of the best value beers that you can find. Um, so it means a lot to me. It was that beer where I was like, you know, I could, I really enjoy this beer. I understand the taste. I'm ready to move on to, you know, the Ma, Ma Pa Denver's, you know, double squeeze IPA, yeah, all that yeah, BS. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it has sentimental value to it. Um, we got this nice little fish. I don't really know what it means, but I'm sure it's a fish in... In Comstock, Michigan. It's a rainbow trout, isn't it? Huh. We'll figure it out. I don't know what the features are on a rainbow trout. Can you see that? Do you, do you see any distinct features? Uh, normally, a rainbow trout has a nice rainbow stripe on him, uh, which I kind of see on this through like the webcam through my night filter on my computer. So you know, it's it's possible. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a we'll have DNR correspondent Jordan Bachman come on here and tell us what fish is on the Perfect. Toyota bottle. So perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is just like like um, like a McDonald's icon or like a Starbucks logo. Like this is what I compare it to, yeah. right? Everyone knows what this looks like. That drinks beer. Um, so a lot of sentimental value. I love it. Just a solid nine point zero on Stonk's drinkability quotient. And now I'm starting to feel it a little bit, which is nice. <laughs> the coffee accelerates the feeling of the uh, the alcohol in the bloodstream. That's Maybe, maybe, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what if someone watches our feed and it's this like brewer from, from like Belgium or something? They're like, 
this is the greatest idea. I never thought to drink beer out of a coffee. I feel like, isn't that a SpongeBob thing? Where it's like, write that down, write that down. Yep. I don't remember. I don't know. It's been too long. Are you a SpongeBob guy? Oh, I, love Spon- I love SpongeBob for like the first three to four seasons. Like anything after that, I don't mess with. But yeah, yeah it changed a lot. You're the right. OG classic SpongeBob, I'm all about that. My uh, my brother, aka Uncle Drew, knows every line from every episode. I don't know. As he got older, his memory's not as good. But when he was young, my brother can recite every line from every movie he watched and like. And Spongebob as well. Wow. I would say I was a Spongebob fan through like the first Spongebob film. Like anything up to the first Spongebob film, I'm pretty versed in. Anything after that, eh, mm. gray area. Gray area. I was going to say, we were probably heading into high school once the film came out anyway. Well, we were heading into high school and now we got to head back into our final segment of this podcast. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about Valdez Scantling, Smith Schuster. That's hard to say. Dude, say Smith Schuster. It's not saying Juju Smith Schuster. It's hard. Wait, are we talking about Juju We're too? We're talking about Juju. We're talking about all the weapons in the pool. Oh, okay, all right. Let's talk about we'll, all of them. We'll, right, do, we, it we, this we'll is, do it live. We'll do it live. We got an action-packed podcast. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from a beer review. The OG. Bell's too hard at ale. I am still sipping on it, having a good time, and we are going to have a good time talking about the new offensive weapons on the Kansas City Chiefs, starting with Juju Smith-Schuster. Let's start with him first, because so I kind of talked about him on my own last week, but Reese, let's hear your two cents on Juju Smith-Schuster looking like for now, because I, I don't hear any other rumors that the Kansas City Chiefs are looking at a Julio Jones, looking at AJ no, Brown. No. Um, he's looking like he's wide receiver one race. So, what is your reaction? Oh man! So my reaction when we got him was that good. We've gotten ourselves a nice kind of center of the field receiver who's not afraid to take hits, who's not afraid to fight through contact. He's got pretty good hands. He's a very, very good wide receiver. And you pointed it out to me, he is actually a little bit bigger than I gave him credit for. I, For whatever reason in my head, I have Juju as this like 5'11 sort of guy. But no, he's closer to like 6'1". He's built pretty solidly. So I'm happy to have Juju in those regards. I thought he was going to be a great second fiddle to Tyree Kill, where Tyree Kill draws all of the attention, and he's going to eat that way. Now, a couple days later, I found out that was not going to be the case. Uh, so... I'm still happy we have Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he'll be great for a year. It'll be interesting to see if we resign him for longer than that or if in this current wide receiver economy, someone's like, yeah, I'll pay $21 million a year for Jub-Jubs. And it's like, you know, it's it's crazy. Uh, so, I'm super excited. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a good player. I remember back at USC, he torched Penn State in that Rose Bowl. It was a fantastic game. And, uh... Yeah, that's my thoughts on Juju Smith-Schuster. Who was who was his quarterback? Was it Sam Darnold? Uh, no, I should know this because I'm a USC fan. But Dar- did Darnold go to USC? Yep, I think it was Sam Darnold then, because Josh Rosen's the guy at UCLA, right? Twenty. Um. Yeah, Josh Rosen was UCLA, so he was drafted in 2017. So let's see, 2016 USC football roster. This is live, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, they had such a good team. Oh, was, good lord, good they team. had Juju. They had Juju and uh, 
Michael Pittman Jr. And uh, didn't they also have Ronald Jones on that team? Yeah, I think Ronald was on it. Uh, Adore Jackson. Yep. Good team. Yep, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was a quarterback. Wow. There you go. So, what a great team. I'm excited about Juju Yep, Ronald Smith Jones Easter. is there too. You know, I, I will say the se- Wow. <laughs> the second part of this, I will say now, is that I'm still excited for Juju. So long as in the draft we find somebody who is going to be the future wide receiver one, or at least has the skill set of being a wide receiver one, because I think we can play well with not a receiver by committee, but like I said, you kind of have like this Cerberus now. You have future wide receiver one we draft, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Valdez Scantling, and then you also have potentially maybe Josh Gordon and Michael Hardman hanging around. So it's like, you know, which one do you want to defend? But... A lot of that's going to be very dependent on finding that future wide receiver one in the draft who's going to keep teams honest and keep teams watching them. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the draft probably next week, hopefully, or maybe in a couple of weeks. Uh, but like sneak preview, yeah, it would be great if we if someone like Drake London dropped to us in the bottom or if we moved up to get a Drake London to get a uh, Jameson Williams who probably is not going to play all season because of his ACL injury. Um, but that's someone that Kansas City's like fine, you know. I think we, I think we're fine with this group. We can probably contend. We can take someone like a Jameis Williams, who was supposed to be the best wide receiver and will still be very good after his ACL injury. Um, anyway, that's just a precursor. Uh, so you all, if you haven't heard, you can go back, but it's not as relevant anymore. I did a thirty-minute like, like loving Juju Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver too, and all these arguments talking about how I love him, and like now that's all at the window because now he's our number one wide receiver. Um, so I am less excited about Juju Smith-Schuster than when I was excited about him. But look, great player. Of course, he has his off off the field issues with TikTok, which we've talked about before. And actually, I had quoted in the in the podcast. I don't know if you heard it, but I was like, Juju said, "I'm here for business." And literally, like after we had posted the pod, he then uh, made the TikTok of him with his Chiefs jersey on dancing. So forget it; he's going to be doing that, and we're just gonna have to get used to it, Kansas City fans. But we're used to it. Uh, another conversation for another day, though. So, what Juju brings to the team, I think, is great because. This offense has changed. Um, we've gone from all these short, fast, wide receivers that are incredibly athletic that uh, can, you know, get thrown the deep ball with McColl, with Tyreek, um, even even guys like Pringle, right? Pringle had some speed. He wasn't super fast, but like he kind of had the same MO as all these other guys. This team is completely changed. Oh, yeah. Like, Andy Reid has changed this team so much, I have no idea what's going to happen next year. Judas Smith-Schuster, Josh Gordon, MVS are all three different people that we have never had on this team before. Like, they're super tall, um, run pretty decently, but but can also catch these one-on-one catches that no one else could have done before other than, like we talked about, like Darrell Williams caught one against the Raiders. Um, so this is like a totally different team that I don't know what's going to happen, and... I don't know if Andy was foreseeing that Tyreek Hill was going to leave and that made more sense to him to get Juju Smith-Schuster. But I'm going to say Andy and EB might be going on the fly right now trying to figure out how are we going to make all these guys fit. Um, Totally different. Um, But again, they're fast. Juju also has great hands, which is what um, we are lacking on this team. So it's great that Juju Smith-Schuster can... 
you know, rarely drops the ball, which is great. Um, he was playing in the slot a lot. Um, I don't know if we're going to see him in the slot here in, in Kansas City. So we're going to see him out on the edge, which might be a nicer for him. Uh, but we saw him beat defenders, uh, and he just had a really awful quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger that couldn't throw him the ball. So if people look at his 2021 stats and say, "Well, look at that," you know, he couldn't he couldn't catch anything. No, he just he was he was getting open. Go back to the film and watch him. He was getting open against receivers. Ben just couldn't throw him the ball. So I'm really excited to see him on this Kansas City offense. I just don't know if I'm that excited for him as wide receiver one. That's okay. That's fair. I, I think yeah. he would have been. He hasn't thrived the most as a wide receiver. One, he was the best is like kind of like wide receiver, like one A. You know, that's kind of what he was back when Antonio Brown was there. It's like he was good enough to be wide receiver one, but he thrived more as not being the main focus of the defense. Yeah, he also although the, uh, something that I brought up in the last podcast, so I'll just bring it up quickly, but it's it's important. He has the most receiving yards of anyone under twenty five years old in NFL history. That's gonna be which. It's a big deal. Pretty super cool until Jefferson and Chase get around that age, but you know, good record. To have I now. know, yeah. It, but for right now, for the record to be there, like he's good. He's good, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be nice to have right. him. Um, okay, let's let's talk about his counterpart, Reese. Uh, one second, let me open up where we have it. There we are. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantley is now a chief. Um, I forget what the deal looks like, but the deal is actually pretty good for us. But uh, we signed him immediately after um, Tyreek Hill leaves. I know people were trying to compare Marquez Valdez-Scantley to Tyreek Hill. Other than the speed, there really is no comparison to them. They are totally different body types, totally different way they play. Um, Again, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantley was playing in the slot. I mean, mean, Tyreek played there kind of sometimes, but... I mean, just totally different players. Anyway, Reese, what is your reaction now? It looks like Marquez will probably be our wide receiver, too. I don't really know what McCole Hardman's role is in the future, but let's just assume Marquez is going to be, like, in space. He's wide receiver number two. What do you think? Well, I'm going to answer that question with two answers. Number one, let's start with McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman is going to be what he was drafted to be back in 2019, which is going to be a Tyreek Hill replacement. Now this is the make-it-or-break-it year. Where it's like, all right, you got to get in touch with Patrick Mahomes and you have to be able to read his mind to run all those routes that we saw Tyreek Hill running. Which I don't know if you've seen this, but we did run Wasp with McCall Hardman as the main target last year. And he was able to really? do it. Yeah. He was able to catch the ball. He didn't have a guy closed in on the way that uh, Tyreek did because it was a shorter pass. But he ran Wasp. He got another like probably 7 to 10 yards running towards the sideline afterwards. He's capable of doing it. We've just seen him with a really bad case of the drops. He seems to have a lapse in just kind of his focus, or he doesn't know the routes. There were times, I think we said in the Super Bowl against the Bucks on the first drive, there were two routes. And it's like, dude, if you run that route properly, it's like, you take that to the house. But he lost the ball twice. So that is what we're going to see McCole Hardman do. Now, MVS, I think MVS is going to be a bit of a wild card. I think there's a lot of things he can do. He's deceptively tall for his size and he's also deceptively fast for his size so i can see him being a guy to take the top off defenses running some go routes for us i can see a lot of situations where he and mccall hardman are lined up and people are like okay who do we focus on here who's the fast guy who's gonna be the game breaker on this uh i know a lot of packers fans are fed up with him you know feel like he's got below average hands well Guess what? Welcome to the club last year, Patrick. Having what was it? No. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Kansas City Chiefs. It was like plus or minus with seven or eight tip drill interceptions last year. Pat hits him right in the bread basket, so he'll fit right in there. But even then, all joking aside, 
if Valdez Scantley was our receiving core last year, I think, I mean, he's wide receiver too, isn't he? It's like, did we have a wide receiver that was playing besides Tyree Kill that you would trust more than Valdez Scantley? No, I don't think so. No. So that's what I see him be doing. I think, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if we do draft somebody, who we draft, when we draft, and what we draft him for. But, you know, maybe Juju and MVS kind of switch between who's like the true wide receiver two on this offense. And we might have a wide receiver one from the draft. Okay, to let's see. Let me address your McCole Hardman take, and then I'll talk about Mark Marquez. It's Marquez, by the way. It's what he Marquez? says. Not Marquez. Yeah, he 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 was correcting people during the the uh, Chiefs presser. Sick. Um. So anyway, so I don't know if I agree with your uh, McCole Hardman take. I don't know if I think that Kansas City is going to um, make this year the prove it year, and you are the now the t- the new Tyree Kill because of the success that we've talked about this before. Because of the s- success that he had last year in the non Tyree Kill role, right? Then more of that Debo Samuel. Um, screen role where he's doing a lot of gadget plays, things that we saw Tyreek Hill do in the first couple of seasons that McCole Hardman started to transfer to do and was very successful at doing it, right? Uh, specifically the the uh, Bengals game, which we unfortunately saw less of and Pat started to throw it, but I digress. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see him in that role. Like if, if we were to see McCole Hardman in the, okay, you're the Tyreek now, um, I don't think we would have signed Marquez Valdez Scantley, or now we're still seems like we're still looking at Lavisca Chenault. Um, it seems like, and I'm hoping I'm kind of making this narrative on my own because I don't have any intel on it, but I'm hoping that he is just a gadget player, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him being that gadget player on the side. That's like you know when when he's on the left side and it's and it's trips wide receiver, uh, you know trips left. It could be a shot to MVS, or it could be a screen, a wide receiver screen for McCall Hardman. Then it makes people start to guess as to, like, what is he doing? Or then it becomes a jet sweep. There's just so much you can do if you solidify McCall Hardman as a gadget player on this offense with the two extra guys. So I don't know if he's going to be the Tyree kill, but we'll see. I could be wrong. Um now talking about Marquez, uh, I, I love Marquez's speed. Mar- uh, Marquez had the fastest um, time in the NFL last year when it came to like on speed. Um, sorry, on the field speed. I believe the fast speed was 23 miles per hour. On I forget it was like a 90 yard run that he had, which is the fastest in the NFL. So like that is the only comparison that you have to Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill had a 24 mile per hour speed in 2016. Um, so very speedy, and for him to have his size like that is very extra human for him to do that. And one thing that people aren't talking about a lot that I saw in some film that I was looking at uh, today actually is the way that he's able to like. If he has a vertical route and he's got two or three guys bumping him, he's actually really good at not letting that alter his speed and that he's still able to full force ahead and still touch these, you know, corners and these secondaries that are putting hands on him. He's still able to keep the acceleration that he has. And that's something that's going to be really interesting to see with Patrick Mahomes. Like, say you got, you know, McCole Hardman having a day or, you know, CEH is starting to get the run game in and people are starting to come in and they're not doing this whatever cover one, cover two BS that they've been doing for us last year. Um, it would be pretty easy for MVS then to make a really nice vertical route out there. Um, and, of course, 
Patrick always hits his guys. I mean, a couple of times last year when he was playing, but he's always hitting people when they're out there. So I'm looking forward to a lot of deep balls for MVS. I don't think he's going to be a focal point, but that's why he's going to get a lot of deep balls, right? Because the focal point is going to be Juju. It's going to be Kelsey. It's going to be, you know, other other people on this offense, which is going to allow for him to have a lot of deep bombs. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of like week one, week two, week three, MVS has like 12 yards and then week four, 150. And then the next week, you know, 30. So I think it's going to be a lot of hot and cold, not because of him, but just because of what his position is on this team. That's totally fair. I buy it. And I hear you. I do. I don't mind uh, Debo Samuel McCole Hardman. We talked about it last year. I still think there's definitely a role for him on that team. So maybe he won't be a pure Tyreek Hill route runner. Uh, but, you know, I think there's definitely a future for McCole Hardman on the team this year. And I'll be interested to see how he pans out. Excellent, excellent. We will see. Last but not least, Reese, let's talk about Ronald Jones. Uh, this is a pretty big signing, I think. Well, it just means a lot to like what what they evaluate. This actually means more about CEH than it does Ronald Jones to me. Uh, but Reese, what was your reaction when we signed Ronald Jones? We're actually a pretty decent deal. I'll look up the numbers while you talk. I think I talked about this. A lot of 2020, the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl, I was saying, I think Ronald Jones is the better of the two backs between him and Leonard Fournette. And we were watching the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Ronald Jones was the guy who was giving us fits, you know. So I'm excited to have a player like him. I think he does play fairly similar to Kareem Hunt. I'm not sure if he's quite as big as Hunt is. I think he's probably a step or two faster. Everyone's saying he's running this like four four six speed. I don't necessarily see that when he runs. He's not slow, but you know, he's he's not like we're watching the comeback Chris Johnson or anything like that. But no, he runs very decisively, and he looks like a running back. He's not a pass-catching back. He's a between-the-numbers back. Seems to have very good field vision. He's very good in his initial cuts to make the first defender miss. And once he gets into that second level of defense is where he really starts to become a problem just because he's such a bruising running back. I think he's a great addition to the team. Uh, I think he's probably going to split carries with CEH. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the featured back by season's end if he can stay healthy. What do you think? Wow. Uh, yeah, like I said before, this means more about CEH than it does anybody else. Um, one take that I had this offseason was that I felt like Andy Reid and Brett Veach are very loyal people. And they will die on the hill of loyalty over talent. And we saw that in Sorensen. We saw that in Neiman. Um, and I thought that no matter what, they were going to try to run CEH and make him the bell cow for as long as they could until they had to move on from CEH. Um, this year has really changed my uh, analysis on Brett Feach and Andy Reid, where we're seeing these guys that are their guys, the locker room guys, these family guys, they're out of here. Sorensen, Neiman, now you have not a replacement for CEH, but now this tells CEH you aren't the guy. And we weren't getting that before. Like Jared McKinnon was you know had two acl injuries him being signed did not mean that he was the that like he was going to compete with ch signing ronald jones means ch you are no longer our guy like we are we have to have a running back by committee um and i love these moves i don't think this changes the locker room i'm sure the locker room is still very family friendly and very you know cooperative um but this is a change in brett beach that we love now this is like Okay, you know what? We're here to win now. And even though Dirty Dan, even though Ben Neiman have done some great things for the Kansas City organization, we're moving on because we have to win. 
Um, so this is kind of the anti-argument that I just made about Tyreek Hill. But besides that, this is great. I love this because we we like CEH, but we don't love CEH. So this forces CEH to really prove it and to become a, uh, a, a running back that can catch because that's not what Ronald Jones does. Ronald Jones... Um, runs in between the tackles, huge body. I mean, this dude looks like Derrick Henry Jr. Like, if you see that 90-yard run that he had with the Panthers, massive guy, not really explosive, like you said, not super fast, but for his body type, pretty fast. Pretty fast for what he looks like, and that's what CH is not. CH is tiny, tiny little dude that, like, yeah, sometimes he's explosive, but it's really hot and cold. So this is, for me, this is the prove-it year for CH. You're not going to work out? Fine. We got Ronald Jones. Let's get another guy and we'll figure it out. So that, actually, I'm really excited about to see both of them. And maybe this forces CH to really have more of a uh, a passing role on the team, a catching role, because that's not what Ronald Jones does. So I think it's a really nice one and two. Love it. One thing I really want to see with Ronald Jones that we haven't had since Kareem Hunt is show me the running back who gets met in the backfield, you know, one yard carry, but he bumps, spins, and falls forward for three and a half, four yards. We just totally. haven't had that a running back since Kareem Hunt. And I think another thing we haven't had is that like if a running play is executed perfectly by our line, it's probably going for like maybe ten or eleven yards of CEH. Now, if a running play is executed perfectly by our line, that could be ripped off for like a 30-plus yard carry with someone like Ronald Jones. I'm totally. very excited to see what we can do with a talented and true running back. Totally, totally. And yeah, and actually, now that you said that, it kind of got my brain going. I'll say one more thing. Uh, fourth and ones are now going to be really oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Because fourth and one or goal line stops or red zone plays, um, not only do we have Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe even MBS. I don't know how he is on one-on-one, but Juju Smith-Schuster is good on one-on-ones. Not only do we have that threat now, now we have Ronald Jones that I would trust on fourth and fourth and one to run the ball we haven't had someone to trust in fourth and one even jared mckinnon like he's just he was a small guy now we got a bruiser now we got someone that might be able to go in between the tackles and we don't have to do the circus bs every single play like fine we'll still keep it here and then we'll do our little pitches to orlando brown or whoever um but this will be really nice a really nice like like mix up um positive mix-up in the red zone which we haven't seen in a very 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 long time i agree okay reese let's let's wrap it up reese you doing anything fun this weekend before we end uh what's going on Oh man this weekend i don't even know what's going on this weekend to be honest like i'm living everything such like one day at a time right now with all the fires i'm putting out that it's just kind of like all right let's just make it to the weekend and let's reevaluate <laughs> and see what happens so you know it's like you're like plankton and spongebob just do a call back and you're like, i don't know i didn't think i'd make it this far <laughs> well you hang in there reese um yeah i think i have a day off i think i have a day off like on friday and it's supposed to be nicer so the the brewery across the street actually has three different breweries here in binghamton it has the mall brewery it has the downtown brewery but it also has a farm brewery that's like out on a farm same brewery it's called beer tree uh, but it's called like farm by beer tree yeah. so i think me and my friends might go check that out if the weather's nice so fingers crossed Kansas city fans at binghamton new york is nice and sunny and shining and positive, just like we are trying to be about our Kansas City Chiefs. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for no, for more content. I think we might talk draft. If not, we'll talk Royals because opening day is still April 7th, right? Yeah, it's coming right up. Yeah, I'll be wearing my jersey in before yeah. we know it. 
opening day is next week, ladies and gentlemen. So stay tuned for more content. Thanks for staying with us. We'll see you next time. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.